goes by the pseudonym Bo Snurdly. It's time for the Soul of Excellence. He is a radio host at 77 WABC here in New York. The Rush Hour is on the air. Rush, Rush. Now here's Bo Snurdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Ditto heads. Attention, Bo Scouts. Goes by the pseudonym Bo Snurdly. It's time for the Soul of Excellence. He is a radio host at 77 WABC here in New York. The Rush Hour is on the air. Rush, Rush. Now, here's Bo Snurdly. Welcome, my friends, to your Tuesday, Bo Snurdly's Rush Hour here on WABC. If you would like to be part of the program, 800 8 Four eight W A B C is the number to call. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. And as always, there is much in the news up for discussion, up for grabs. Uh, the House and the Senate have both had their own, uh, how shall we say, unsettling little tiffs going on today. I just read a headline, I didn't bother to print the story, that Matt Gates has filed an ethics complaint against <clears throat> former uh, 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 Speaker of the House, Kevin, because Kevin apparently gave a sharp elbow to one of the guys that voted against him. And then I watched footage of what was going on in the Senate today. The senator from, where was he, from Montana? Or somewhere out there, Mark Wayne Mullen, Oklahoma, had to be verbally restrained by Senate (laughs) Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions Committee Chairman Bernie Sanders from getting into a fight. This is at a committee hearing with the president of the Teamsters. I mean, he called the guy a thug. Oh, you have the audio from there. Let's play it. Let's just go ahead and play it. This is. Everybody knows this. Here in the last time, <laughs> him and I kind of had a back and forth. Uh, appreciate your demeanor today. It's quite different. But after you left here, you got pretty excited about the keyboard. In fact, you tweeted at me one, two, three, four, five times. And let me read what the last one said. Um, it said, greedy CEO who pretends like he's self-made. Sir, I wish you was in the truck with me when I was building my plumbing company myself and my wife was running the office because I sure remember working pretty hard and long hours. Pretends like he's self-made. What a clown. Fraud. Always has been. Always will be. Quit the tough guy act in these Senate hearings. You know where to find me. Any place, any time, cowboy. Sir, this is a time, this is a place. You want to run your mouth? We can be two consenting adults. We can finish it here. Okay, that's fine. Perfect. You want to do it now? I'd love to do it right now. Well, stand your butt up then. You stand your butt up. Oh, hold on. Oh, hold, stop it. Is that your solution? Every oh, no, no. Sit down. Oh, Eric, sit down. Look at you. You know, you're a United States senator. Sit down. Act it. United States senator. Can I respond? Hold it. Hold it. If hold we on. can. No, I have the mic. Said. I'm sorry. This is hold what it. he said. You'll have your time. Okay. Can I respond? Oh, no, you can't. <laughs> this is a hearing. 
And God knows the American people have enough of contempt for Congress. Let's not I don't make like it worse. Thugs and you, you have the, and that's you have thank you. Could you hold just describe it. yourself? Yeah, hold it. You have the mic. Yeah. You have time. All make right. Your statement. Then <clears throat> yeah. It didn't stop there. It went on for another minute or so. So you have one senator calling out that the, the, the union guy is a thug. The union guy was on social media posting nasty things about him. So this is the United States Senate these days. Get your butt up. Oh, you get your butt up. Well, uh, all right. And, and what's just call it? Uh, Mr. Senator from Oklahoma stood up. He's like, okay, let's do this. Let's do this thing. And that's when, when Bernie jumped in. This is the United States Senate. <laughs> the things that you would think you would never see. This, this is, and, and someone asked the turtle about it. And the turtle, for those of you who don't know, the turtle is Mitch, that is the, the nickname that Rush Limbaugh gave to Mitch McConnell. The turtle. Because he looks like a turtle. And the turtle basically just, hey, look, it's not my job to police these guys. Basically, it was like, leave me out of it. Why are you even asking me? So you have in the House, Kevin McCarthy accused of getting violent with Tim Burchett, Republican from Tennessee, elbowed him in the back while he was talking to reporters. And some of the reporters apparently saw it. The turtle says he's not my responsibility to police aggressive behavior of other Republicans. Aggressive behavior of the other Republicans. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I guess tensions are high in D.C. Something's in the water. Okay, moving on. Uh, Trump's uh, uh, Donald Trump's former attorney, Jenna Ellis, is uh, doing the Canary Act, singing like a canary. Um, she told the Georgia persecutors of Donald Trump that he never intended to leave office. Everything that they want her to say, she's saying. What a difference a deal makes. 24 little hours. Yeah, yeah, what a difference a deal makes. She wasn't talking all this smack before she got her, her deal, her nice little cozy deal, and all of a sudden she's going to... There are words for people like this, but I don't like calling people names, so I will... Not get into all of that. Today is Tuesday. Princess Di will be joining us very shortly. Princess Di has a theory about what's going on in San Francisco this week. You know that the, the head commies are on their way over. In fact, I have a story that I'm going to do <laughs> in connection with that. Uh, residents in San Francisco were, have been asked what they think about all the cleanup efforts. And boy, there's a Daily Mail story about that today. They are... They are just heaping abuse on all of the officials there. But since we have an hour here, I want to get into other things in my news digest deck. Do I have so many news stories? We could go for three, four hours without stopping. But I love this story because you talk about, and I've been using this expression more than ever lately, so if it offends you, some of you, I'm sorry. The liberals have their panties in a wad over this one. This one's going to really disturb them. Speaker of the House, the new Speaker of the House, the nonviolent Speaker of the House, 
Mike Johnson, Mike Johnson has actually said some truth about separation of church and state in this country. And many people do not know the origins. Of, they always say, there's a separation of church and state. This is America. There's a separation of church and state. Here's a headline out of the Hill. Speaker Johnson, separation of church and state is a misnomer. <gasps> what? It's not real. What are you saying? There's no separation of church and state? Well, Speaker Mike Johnson pushed back Tuesday on the belief, and that's what it is, the belief that there should be a separation between church and state on the U.S., arguing, and this is what the Hill writer said, arguing. He should, they should have said explaining, not arguing, explaining that the founding fathers wanted faith to be a big part of government. Separation of church and state is a misnomer. He said people misunderstand it. He was on CNBC Squawk Box. They asked him about why are you praying on the House floor? Of course it comes from a phrase that was in a letter that Jefferson wrote. It is not in the Constitution, and that is exactly right. And Mike Johnson went on to explain, and what Thomas Jefferson was explaining is that they did not want the government to encroach upon the church, not that they didn't want principles of faith to have influence on our public life. It is exactly the opposite. This has forced the people over at the Hill to actually reveal the history behind all of this, this news story. The letter that Thomas Jefferson referred to was Thomas Jefferson's 1802 letter to the Danbury Baptist Association of Connecticut, who would express concerns about religious liberty. In his reply, Jefferson said that the First Amendment, which bars Congress from prohibiting free exercise of a religion, built a wall of separation between church and state. Again, never in the Constitution. Mike Johnson interpretation which he shared was that our faith our deep religious heritage and tradition is a big part of what it means to be an american whoa somebody said it that's why i think we need more of that not an establishment of any national religion but we need everybody's vibrant expression of faith because it is such an important part of who we are as a nation wow Long time in coming for that one. Someone finally explains the truth about the so-called separation between church and state. How appropriate. How very appropriate. Faith. Nineteen eighty seven, George Michael goes to the number one charts with this one. This was his debut solo album. Faith. Won the Grammy Award for Album of the Year that year with this one. The album is still selling to date twenty million copies around the world. WABC Talk Radio seventy seven. Both nerdy with you here. It is our Tuesday rush hour. Coming back, Princess Di will join us. Don't go anywhere. Baby, I know you're asking me to stay.
The Rush Hour is on the air. Attention Ditto Heads. Attention Bo Scouts. Rush. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Down in Jamaica they got lots of pretty women. Steal your money then they break your heart. Stephen Bishop. Singer, songwriter. Born in 1951 on this day. Happy birthday to one of America's greats. Stephen Bishop. And this album is terrific, as well as some of the others. We had another cut we had a while ago where he and Earl Clue are playing this song. They did a remix of it in Bossa Nova style. Absolutely beautiful. You know, he also did the Tootsie. And that song, It Must Be You, from Tootsie. I'm, I have a feeling it must be you. That's Stephen Bishop, too. The soundtrack from Tootsie. Um, Dave Grusin. The GRP VP back in the day, uh, Dave Grusin, he has a great solo career himself, jazz pianist and composer, worked on that uh, soundtrack with uh, Stephen Bishop and others. All right, so, you know, ladies and gentlemen, Harvard University, finally, after all the anti-Semitic behaviors that were going on on their campus said okay enough we've got too many big donors leaving and threatening to leave we're going to put a stop to all this anti-semitism at harvard right (laughs) yeah right i guess they expected all the anti-semites up at harvard to shut up they're not shutting up 101 faculty members these aren't the students these are the cooks the cooks in the kitchen the faculty members 101 faculty members at Harvard University are angry that their institution is now trying to combat anti-Semitism. In an open letter, these these, left likes these open letters, boy, they're just letter-writing fools these days. In an open letter posted on some website called Medium, they frame Harvard's new anti-Semitism task force as an assault on academic freedom. The university's commitment to intellectual freedom and open dialogue seems to be giving way to something else entirely. The letter laments specifically. The professors take exception to the chant from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free as being interpreted as anti-Semitic. Well, of course it's anti-Semitic. Then we just want to get rid of all the Jews there between the river and the sea. It was so hard to understand about this. We all get it. But no, no, no. These, these professors at uh, 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 Harvard are defending their right to chant from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free, as well as continue with their anti Israeli stance. And what here in New York, just so you know, your governor, governor, yeah, governor, Kathy Hochul, has announced that uh, New York State, your state, is going to be stepping up 
surveillance efforts. We're going to be surveilling you. We think we think that there's too much hate speech going on out there. So we're going to just start surveilling you more on social media, making sure we know what you people out there thinking and what you're saying. Hmm. So she's formed a task force. They are going to increase staffing, working with the FBI Joint Terrorism Task Force. This is our latest effort to fight hate in all its forms after the Hamas terror attacks. We've determined that the rising level of hate and anti-Semitism in particular poses a clear and present danger to the safety and well-being of all New Yorkers, he said. Now, many of you say, well, that's a good thing. She's going to get on top of this. She's going to get on top of this all of this, all of this, this anti-Semitism that's been spreading like wildfire among liberal, among people on social media. Yeah, okay, you keep thinking that's good. Keep thinking that the state surveilling your social media posts is a good idea. Yeah, these are the same people, she and her predecessor, that decided you people shouldn't have the right to have your businesses open during COVID. They just helped shut down. But that's against the Constitution. So what? We don't care about that Constitution. Petty little document there. Bothersome little document. We're going to shut you down because we want to shut you down. And they did it. These are the people that told you landlords out there, eh, guess what? You're going to have to miss your rent payments because we're going to tell people that they don't have to pay their rent to you. But that's my private property. How can you do that? There's nothing in the Constitution of the United States or New York that gives the governor or the governors, or the state legislature the power to tell people to stop paying their freaking rent. They did it anyway. They don't care. These are the people that put your, put, put your relatives in nursing homes to die. There was a major report to Daily News, and it troubled me. It troubled me. I, I forgot to do this story on Monday. I read it over the weekend. In St. Albans, Queens, where I grew up, St. Albans, there's one nursing home where 100 veterans died during the COVID. It's being investigated now, many of them elderly. 100 in one location in St. Albans, Queens. These are the people that told you you had to ship your relatives to uh, nursing homes. They told you, you have to do it. And they did it. Many of them died. And what did they do? They Janice Dean, Fox News, members of her family, died in nursing homes. And what's been done about it? This illegal, unconstitutional order. Nothing. It's all gone away. Oh, well, you know, that, that pandemic has come, it's gone. So never mind all those unconstitutional things we told you. And the city is still suffering for all of this. There was a story earlier this week about how commercial real estate is now in danger because of the number of vacancies that are still here from the enforced policies put in place by your governor your local officials, which are clearly, if you ever bothered to read that pesky little document called the Constitution, which are clearly unconstitutional, but let unchallenged. So there's that. Now, before we take a few calls, we've got a few other little things to get to. This is a good one. 
I just told you, Mike Johnson, <clears throat> Mr. Johnson has, uh, has reaffirmed the idea that this business of separation of church and state is all a misnomer based on a writing from Thomas Jefferson that wasn't in the Constitution. Well, he did something else, too, on that interview. He was asked about President Trump. And this is what Mike Johnson, your new Speaker of the House, said about President Trump. I have endorsed him wholeheartedly. Look, Speaker Johnson said, I was one of the closest allies that President Trump had in Congress. He had a phenomenal first term those first two years. We brought about the greatest economic numbers in the history of the world, not just the country, because his policies worked, and I'm all in for President Trump. I expect he'll be our nominee, yeah, and he's going to win it, and we have to make Biden a one-term president. Now, this goes in sharp contrast with what we've had in the House. During Trump's first two years, those two years, that Mr. Johnson is talking about, Paul Ryan did everything he could, in my view, to undermine Donald Trump and to politically stab him in the back at every opportunity that he got. Kevin McCarthy talked a good game, but Kevin McCarthy said things on one side, and then the next day he'd say other things out the other side of his mouth. So you never know where Kevin, where Kevin, where did Kevin really stand? Who knows? Your guess is as good as mine. This would be if in 2024 Donald Trump is able to assume election victory and then in 2025 is inaugurated, and if the Republicans hold the House, this would be the first time that you would have the president, Republican President Trump with a Speaker of the House who actually is a supporter. No telling what could happen. And if we get the Senate, we, if the, excuse that, if the Republicans get the Senate and they can be talked into doing the right thing, which is a monumental task, then you would actually have a chance for a very effective presidency. And Joe Manchin's resignation makes that more possible. And believe me, Democrats are still fuming about that. Okay, let us head to the phones. Larry in Brooklyn, New York, you are up first. What's on your mind this afternoon, Larry? Well, I'd like to tell you, because I know you got a lot of common sense, Bo. I want to tell you what I really think is going on with Eric Adams. Um, you see, this administration is so corrupt. I can't imagine them doing anything that's legitimate, let alone prosecuting one of their own. So I think they're trying to scare him straight. You know, just the way like the mafia clips somebody's wings before they, they don't injure them first. And I think that Eric Adams is corrupt from A to Z. I think with these no bid contracts, he's getting kickbacks galore. But they didn't center on that. They centered on something very minor, uh, you know, very, you know, tangential, just to scare him into, into letting him know that they got the drop on him 
And if he doesn't, if he doesn't conform himself, then they could re they really got the stuff on him. You know what I'm saying? I do. <clears throat> now, let me just say one thing. I really resist saying things like you just said, though, about I think he's getting kickbacks. I don't think we need to make those kind of statements without actual proof. I think doing so is slander, and I'm very conscious about that. Now, we might believe that he is corrupt. We might believe all kind of things, but saying that someone is committing an illegal act without having proof of it is something that I don't want to engage in. That said, I think you have a point, but, but I just differ a little ways. I don't think they want to clip his wings. I think this was designed for maximum humiliation of Eric Adams. It started the day they rolled out this little plan to put him in the hot seat the day he was supposed to meet with Joe Biden. He has been a critic of Joe Biden. I think this is the Biden quote-unquote mafia taking a political hit on Eric Adams and also sending a warning message to everybody else. Yeah, we'll do this to, to Mayor Adams. So what? He's the biggest Democrat in New York, and we definitely need, need New York for our reelect. But yeah, we'll take him down, and if you get in the way, we'll take you down too. I think it was a clear message across the bow. And by the way, a clear message to a lot of the other Democrats that are complaining about the immigration policies of their own party. This is like, y'all better shut up because we will take you down too, straight out of the hoodlum handbook. So we agree on that point. Let me give you the last word, Larry. So you think they're going to follow through with this or it's going to be like the Biden document case where it's not going to go anywhere? You think they're going to really take him down? I think that they're going to try to. I don't know whether he did anything wrong, but they already leaks. They're already leaks of his text messages. Now, when is oh, the last? Okay. Again, these people don't leak on each other. They save that for Republicans. So they already it was like, well, what are they doing? at first, and no one could understand what it was. Then all of a sudden, it gets leaked to the press. Well, we've got the goods on his campaign person, and he's helping with uh, this thing in, in, in uh, 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 Turkey, this, this consulate that needs to be built. And then all of a sudden, you have stories about what was in the text. They're, they're looking at his text messages regarding this. They're leaking enough information to try to make him look guilty in, in the world of public opinion. They don't usually do this to one of their own. So they they are yeah they're trying to take him down. I think he may have prosecution. <laughs> yep, like I said, they normally use this kind of treatment on Republicans, not on fellow Democrats. So quite interesting. Thank you for the call, my friend. Aha. The police. The five O. Nineteen eighty one, this one. Went to number three in the United States on our singles charts. On this day. In 1981, time to check in with Lou Dobbs' business report. We're coming back. More of your calls straight ahead.
Ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Rush. It's the Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Down in Jamaica, they got lots of pretty women. Steal your money, then they break your heart. Stephen Bishop. Lonesome Sue, she's in love with old Sam. Singer songwriter. Born in 1951 on this day. Happy birthday to one of America's greats. Stephen Bishop. And this album is terrific, as well as some of the others. We had another cut we had a while ago where he and Earl Clue are playing this song. They did a remix of it in Bossa Nova style. Absolutely beautiful. You know, he also did the Tootsie. And that song, It Must Be You, from Tootsie. I'm, I have a feeling it must be you. That's Stephen Bishop, too. The soundtrack from Tootsie. Um, Dave Grusin, the GRP VP back in the day. Uh, Dave Grusin. He has a great solo career himself. Jazz pianist and composer worked on that uh, soundtrack with uh, Stephen Bishop and others. All right, so, you know, ladies and gentlemen, Harvard University, finally, after all the anti-Semitic behaviors that were going on on their campus, said, okay, enough, we've got too many big donors leaving and threatening to leave. We're going to put a stop to all this anti-Semitism at Harvard, right? (laughs) Yeah, right. I guess they expected all the anti-Semites up at Harvard to shut up. They're not shutting up. 101 faculty members. These aren't the students. These are the cooks. The cooks in the kitchen. The faculty members. 101 faculty members at Harvard University are angry that their institution is now trying to combat anti-Semitism. In an open letter, these, these, the left likes these open letters, boy, they're just letter-writing fools these days. In an open letter posted on some website called Medium, they frame Harvard's new anti-Semitism task force as an assault on academic freedom. The university's commitment to intellectual freedom and open dialogue seems to be giving way to something else entirely. The letter laments specifically the professors take exception to the chant from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free, as being interpreted as anti-Semitic. Well, of course it's anti-Semitic. We just want to get rid of all the Jews there between the river and the sea. It was so hard to understand about this. We all get it. But no, 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 these, these professors at uh, uh, Harvard are defending their right to chant 
from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free, as well as continue with their anti-Israeli stance. And right here in New York, just so you know, your governor, governor, yeah, governor, Kathy Hochul, has announced that uh, New York State, your state, is going to be stepping up <clears throat> surveillance efforts. We're going to be surveilling you. We think, we think that there's too much hate speech going on out there. So we're going to just start surveilling you more on social media, making sure we know what you people out there are thinking and what you're saying. Hmm. So she's formed the task force. They are going to increase staffing, working with the FBI Joint Terrorism Task Force. This is our latest effort to fight hate in all its forms after the Hamas terror attacks. We've determined that the rising level of hate and anti-Semitism in particular poses a clear and present danger to the safety and well-being of all New Yorkers, she said. Now, many of you say, well, that's a good thing. She's going to get on top of this. She's going to get on top of this all of this, all of this, this anti-Semitism that's been spreading like wildfire among liberal, among people on social media. Yeah, okay, you keep thinking that's good. Keep thinking that the state surveilling your social media posts is a good idea. Yeah, these are the same people, she and her predecessor, that decided you people shouldn't have the right to have your businesses open during COVID. They just helped shut down. But that's against the Constitution. So what? We don't care about that Constitution. Petty little document there, bothersome little document. We're going to shut you down because we want to shut you down. And they did it. These are the people that told you landlords out there, eh, guess what? You're going to have to miss your rent payments because we're going to tell people that they don't have to pay their rent to you. But that's my private property. How can you do that? There's nothing in the Constitution of the United States or New York that gives the governor or the governors or the state legislature the power to tell people to stop paying their freaking rent. They did it anyway. They don't care. These are the people that put your, your put put your relatives in nursing homes to die. There was a major report to Daily News, and it troubled me. It troubled me. I I forgot to do the story on Monday. I read it over the weekend in St. Albans, Queens, where I grew up. St. Albans. There's one nursing home where a hundred veterans died during the COVID. It's being investigated now. Many of them elderly. 100 in one location in St. Albans, Queens. These are the people that told you you had to ship your relatives to uh, nursing homes. They told you, you have to do it. And they did it. Many of them died. And what did they do? They Janice Dean, Fox News, members of her family, died in nursing homes. And what's been done about it? This illegal, unconstitutional order. Nothing. It's all gone away. Oh, well, you know, that, that pandemic has come, it's gone. So never mind all those unconstitutional things we told you. And the city is still suffering for all of this. There was a story earlier this week about how commercial real estate is now in danger because of the number of vacancies that are still here from the 
enforce policies put in place by your governor, your local officials, which are clearly, if you ever bothered to read that pesky little document called the Constitution, which are clearly unconstitutional, but let unchallenged. So there's that. Now, before we take a few calls, we've got a few other little things to get to. This is a good one. I just told you, Mike Johnson, <clears throat> Mr. Johnson has uh, has reaffirmed the idea that this business of separation of church and state is all a misnomer based on a writing from Thomas Jefferson that wasn't in the Constitution. Well, he did something else, too, on that interview. He was asked about President Trump. And this is what Mike Johnson, your new speaker of the House, said about President Trump. I have endorsed him wholeheartedly. Look, Speaker Johnson said, I was one of the closest allies that President Trump had in Congress. He had a phenomenal first term those first two years. We brought about the greatest economic numbers in the history of the world not just the country, because his policies worked, and I'm all in for President Trump. I expect he'll be our nominee, yeah, and he's going to win it, and we have to make Biden a one-term president. Now, this goes in sharp contrast with what we've had in the House. During Trump's first two years, those two years, that Mr. Johnson is talking about, Paul Ryan did everything he could, in my view, to undermine Donald Trump and to politically stab him in the back at every opportunity that he got. Kevin McCarthy talked a good game, but Kevin McCarthy said things on one side, and then the next day he'd say other things out the other side of his mouth. So you never know where Kevin, where Kevin, where did Kevin really stand? Who knows? Your guess is as good as mine. This would be if in 2024 Donald Trump is able to assume election victory and then in 2025 is inaugurated, and if the Republicans hold the House, this would be the first time that you would have the president, Republican President Trump with a Speaker of the House who actually is a supporter. No telling what could happen. And if we get the Senate, we, if the, excuse that, if the Republicans get the Senate and they can be talked into doing the right thing, which is a monumental task, then you would actually have a chance for a very effective presidency. And Joe Manchin's resignation makes that more possible. And believe me, Democrats are still fuming about that. Okay, let us head to the phones. Larry in Brooklyn, New York, you are up first. What's on your mind this afternoon, Larry? Well, I'd like to tell you, because I know you got a lot of common sense, Bo. I want to tell you what I really think is going on with Eric Adams. Um, you see, this administration is so corrupt, I can't imagine them doing anything that's legitimate, let alone prosecuting one of their own. 
So I think they're trying to scare him straight. You know, just the way like the mafia clips somebody's wings before they, they don't injure them first. And I think that Eric Adams is corrupt from A to Z. I think with these no-bid contracts, he's getting kickbacks galore. But they didn't center on that. They centered on something very minor, uh, you know, very, you know, tangential, just to scare him into, into letting him know that they got the drop on him. And if he doesn't, if he doesn't conform himself, then they, could re- they really got the stuff on him. You know what I'm saying? I do. <clears throat> now, let me just say one thing. I really resist saying things like you just said, though, about I think he's getting kickbacks. I don't think we need to make those kind of statements without actual proof. I think doing so is slander, and I'm very conscious about that. Now, we might believe that he is corrupt. We might believe all kind of things, but saying that someone is committing an illegal act without having proof of it is something that I don't want to engage in. That said, I think... You have a point, but but I just differ a little ways. I don't think they want to clip his wings. I think this was designed for maximum humiliation of Eric Adams. It started the day they rolled out this little plan to put him in the hot seat, the day he was supposed to meet with Joe Biden. He has been a critic of Joe Biden. I think this is the Biden, quote-unquote, mafia taking a political hit on Eric Adams and also sending a warning message to everybody else. Yeah, we'll do this to, to Mayor Adams. So what? He's the biggest Democrat in New York, and we definitely need, need New York for our reelect. But yeah, we'll take him down, and if you get in the way, we'll take you down too. I think it was a clear message across the bow. And by the way, a clear message to a lot of the other Democrats that are complaining about the immigration policies of their own party this is like y'all better shut up because we will take you down too, straight out of the hoodlum handbook so we agree on that point let me give you the last word larry so you think they're going to follow through with this or it's going to be like the biden document case where it's not going to go anywhere you think they're going to really take him down i think that they're going to try to i don't know whether he did anything wrong but they already leaks they're already leaks of his text messages now when is the last again these people don't leak on each other they save that for republicans so they already it was like well what are they doing at first and no one could understand what it was then all of a sudden it gets leaked to the press well we've got the goods on his campaign person and he's helping with uh this thing in 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 uh, uh turkey this this consulate that needs to be built and then all of a sudden you have stories about what was in the text. They're looking at his text messages regarding this. They're leaking enough information to try to make him look guilty in, in the world of public opinion. They don't usually do this to one of their own. So they, they are, yeah, they're trying to take him down. I think he may the have. Prosecution. <laughs> yep. Like I said, they normally use this kind of treatment on Republicans, not on fellow Democrats. So, Quite interesting. Thank you for the call, my friend. Aha. The police. The 5 1981, this one.
went to number three in the United States on our singles charts. On this day in 1981, time to check in with Lou Dobbs' business report. We're coming back. More of your calls straight ahead. This is The Rush Hour with Bose Nerdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Georgia. 1960. Georgia. The number one single. The whole day through. In the United States of America. Just an old sweet song. Keeps Georgia on my mind. Ray Charles on WABC Talk Radio 77. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, presents Rapid Phones. And Dennis in the Bronx, you are up first. What is on your mind this afternoon? Bo, your biggest fan here from the Bronx. I just want to say, I think you're off when you say it's Biden, perhaps, behind this thing with Eric Adams. A couple of months ago, D.A. Alvin Bragg in Manhattan arrested five to six people for uh, straw donations. One of them that's close to Adams, once he got his uh, lawyer bills and saw a possible prison sentence, I think flipped immediately and gave up this turkey connection. And D.A. Bragg, to his credit, integrity, realized this was beyond the scope of his office, and he turned it over to the feds. And that's how this whole thing came together, not through the uh, Biden administration. And that's my opinion, Bo. I understand. And let me just say this. It's a very inter- that's a very interesting perspective. But let me ask you a question. Do you think that this would have happened on the day that it happened with with after all this begging, pleading, and whining, and bi itching and moaning about Joe Biden, do you think that this would have all dropped on the very day that Eric Adams had flown to Washington D.C.? He was there, and it dropped while he was getting ready to go into the oral office and go see Joe Biden. Do you think that the DOJ would have made this move on Eric Adams without the permission of Joe Biden and the Justice Department? Well, I was in law enforcement. That was a setup to catch him on the phone. His cell phone obviously had a wiretap on it. And they wanted to hear what he Ooh. said when he got off that airplane in Washington, D.C. Now, listen to me. Ooh. How did he get John Gotti? Listen to me. How did wiretaps. he get John Gotti? Wiretaps, baby. Oh, they got him through someone very, very close to Gotti who gave up the Sorelli apartment that was above the Ravenite where Gotti held his secret most meetings. Right. And as a result, that's how they got Gotti. They could, they tried three times before and they couldn't get him. Right. It was someone very close. And that's what's happening with Adams. 
It's someone very, very close to him that's giving this all up. I love you. Thank you for that, Dennis. We appreciate it, man. Thank you. That What a great perspective. Let's go to Sandra in New Jersey. Sandra, you are up next. Hi, Sandra, James. Hi, um, honey. Uh, do you hear me? Oh, okay, I hi. Do. I wanted to say two real quick thoughts. One, you know, this week I read in the Epic Times that um, Jane, uh, Letitia James sent a letter in an envelope to the judge saying that she wants the four witnesses, expert witnesses that the defense team has for Trump lined up not to be heard. That really bothered me a lot that she would do that. And then Letitia I wanted to say, Je- De- mm-hmm. go ahead. Okay. And then I wanted to say, you know, the words that are floating around like vermin, scum, deplorables, they all mean the same thing to me, but I wanted to point that out too. regarding Thank vermin. You. Letitia James is a political hack. She announced before there were any charges that she was going to go after Donald Trump. That should disqualify this case. It should have been thrown out. This is not the way justice is conducted in, I don't like you, I'm going to find something on you. That is not the way that it works in, it's supposed to work. That's the way it works in a third world banana republic, not the United States of America, but it is happening in the new America. We got to go. My friends, may God bless and protect each and every single one of you, your families, your loved ones, especially in these troubling times. Love and gratitude for your being here with me and allowing me to be with you. God willing, we will be back tomorrow. Jim Jordan is expected to be with us. And we'll see you then. Bye.